There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Going for Goal, the women's health podcast that's here to help you get what you want in 2020. I'm your host, senior editor, Roisin Devishokane. Today, we're looking at the goal of how to strike a balance within the busyness and build a healthy social life. It's something I imagine will be close to the hearts of many of you right now, after the chaos of December's back-to-back organised fun and January's social hibernation. Are you the type of person who says yes to invites, even when you don't want to go? Or someone who feels you need to always have a wine because everyone else is? Or maybe your schedule is packed so tightly with work and months in advance social plans that there's no room to actually enjoy yourself. All these topics and more will be covered in today's show. The more I think about it, the more I realise that regaining a sense of control over your free time lies at the heart of so many common New Year pledges. You know the ones, stop flaking on your friends, quit drinking and stop wasting money. Or in many cases, and there's zero judgement here, all of the above. Joining me today to discuss how you can build a healthy social life are Dr. Jessamy Hibbard, clinical psychologist and author of The Imposter Cure. Thank you for having me. And Tony Jones, journalist and founder of Shelf Help, a personal development collective and book club. Very happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining me. Dr. Jessamy, let's start with you. Why is learning to develop a healthy social life such an essential ambition when it comes to building a life you actually enjoy? I think it's incredibly important because, like you say, when you're so busy, it makes it hard to enjoy it. But also because our friendships and our relationships are just so important to our mental health and to our sense of well-being. They're really key to health and happiness. And if you look back at it in evolutionary terms, then to be part of the group meant you survived. If you were cut off from the group, Mm. then it probably meant you'd die. So we're rewarded by positive social interactions and we feel bad when there's negative social interactions. And I think that sense of belonging is still key to us now. Yeah. And it's still key to our health and happiness. And it's such a big part of purpose and meaning for us. Yeah. So making time for it is really making time for one of the most important things you could make time for. Very well said. And is there something in the way that it's framed as well, like thinking about building a healthy social life? Like to me, that feels so much more energizing than telling myself off for being flaky or drinking too much or something. Yeah, I completely agree. It's like having a carrot rather than a stick, you know, (laughs) and all the research shows that whether it's New Year's resolutions or just generally making a change, if you're really restrictive or really punitive, then you're far less likely to be successful. Mm. And when you think about something like your social life, it's meant to be fun. 
You know, it's meant to be something that you look forward to and that really is an addition to your life. And so seeing all the gains that you can get is going to make you far more likely to get your social life sorted and your busyness under control. Yeah. And speaking of busyness... Uh, overcommitting comes naturally to so many of us and I often think that people have the best of intentions when they say yes to everything Um, but Jessamy why is this a habit that you think needs to be addressed from a health perspective? Well first actually when I first spoke to people about it and was kind of researching this I think the biggest relief was how common it is and seeing that Mm. you're definitely not alone I'm certainly guilty of being really excited about planning things and then it comes to it and the week that you've got those things in place, you end up feeling anxious. I find myself thinking of all different excuses of how I can get out of it. And when it's loads of stuff, I really feel a sense of dread. Mm. And so carrying that with you during your week is the first reason why it's so Mm. important to kind of take charge of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I don't know if you came across, there's some research that came out last year from Rutgers Business School um, in New Jersey in the US. And researchers were actually able to quantify just how much overplanning our social lives can suck the fun out of them. Mm. And it was to such an extent that we'll no longer reap the positive benefits associated with spending time with our friends, such as strengthened bonds and like the release of feel-good hormones. Um, I found that so interesting that maybe... Is it that in trying to be such good and present friends, we might actually run the risk of weakening those relationships? Yeah, it's so interesting. And when it's, you know, 100 things on your to-do list, and this is one of them, often people find it's much easier to cut out the the pleasurable things Mm. and the things that they'll enjoy. And yet they stick with the work stuff or stick with the kind of chore list and get all of those things done. And yet, doing these things is what makes all the rest of it worth it and working hard is part of the reason that you you know do all of those things so that you can enjoy your time outside of work exactly exactly that's a great point tony i want to come to you now you wrote such a moving piece for uh, women's health october issue um which ties in i think really neatly with this topic um would you be able to tell me how for you taking control of your social life was such a fundamental turning point in your life um, well, as Jessamy says, it's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be something that <laughs> nourishes you. There's lots of things in life we have to do. And the social life should be somewhere that you kind of um, spend time with people that build you up, have good experiences. And I think um, for me, and I know for lots of people, my social life was becoming, um, it was out of control, which is a question that you asked me to think about. It was out of control, but I chose it to be like that at the time because yeah. it really served me. Yeah. And I think if we know anything about habits, it's that they serve us at some point and then that we kind of quite often carry them on when they're not serving us anymore but I think it's really we we seldom take the time to kind of sit down and look at why we do what we do like I I was definitely seeking out people and places and situations that kind of enabled me on this self-destruct mode and it kind of got to a point where um, yeah I think I was I was letting down people that were really close to me yeah Um, I was kind of not really doing my best at work I mean when I look back now I think I could probably be like president or something like that if I (laughs) stopped drinking when I was 25 (laughs) the amount of time and kind of energy and things I've wasted but I've I've learned so much and it all happened for a reason but um, yeah really I think I got to a point where I wanted to start making changes in my life because it just wasn't fun anymore so all that fun wasn't actually fun so it wasn't serving me so I think I made changes in me which kind of changed my social life first yeah 
And then as a result, my drinking changed even more. And then my social life changed again even more. But why I'm really happy to be here today is because I want to kind of talk about the fact that you can ditch the drink and the parties and not lose all your friends. (laughs) Absolutely. And and you can also value yourself and your time and not lose your friends and not lose your social life. Totally. And just to be clear for listeners, um, so Tony, am I still right in thinking you would self-describe as sober-ish? Sober-ish, yeah. I call it, some people call it mindful drinking, yeah. Um, which I kind of, I like that term. I think we should be mindful in everything, but yeah. I, I call it now, um, for me, it's intentional drinking. Because ah, I feel okay. like if you're drinking, um, you want to feel different, right? That's what alcohol does. It makes you feel different. Yeah. And, and I used to want to feel different or feel nothing all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I don't really want to feel different that often. Like if I'm going to a festival, if I'm going to a gig, something or like a big party and yeah, I want to yeah, feel yeah. like, I think I said in the piece, like a bit loose and silly, then yeah. I'll intentionally have a drink and know that it's going to make me feel like that yeah. and know that the next day I might not feel that great, yeah. but it's okay because I planned around it. Yes. Whereas absolutely. before I would be kind of just go out and it's Wednesday night, so why not go to the pub, you know? So that's, that, that's a habit that really changed for me. Yeah. And did tweaking your social well by the sounds of it tweaking your drinking and then thus tweaking your social life did that have ripple effects in other aspects of your life so yeah your professional it, world yeah. or elsewhere it's changed everything like it really has changed everything i mean i did um a hundred day reset so this was because i've done before like the sober sober october yeah and the january yeah, yeah, yeah. the dry january um and i'm really good at willpower when i need to do something but mm-hmm. i used to then have a party on the first of february <laughs> and undo <laughs> all of the goodness which i know that so people listening to this now thinking about january and it's kind of you know that whole deprivation yeah so what the hundred days taught me was it, it just became my new normal to not drink mm. So you can do anything for 30 days, right, or a month. Um, But I think doing something for 100 days meant that I went out to quite a few Friday night drinks and didn't drink. You know, I had suddenly I found that I had whole weekends back (laughs) and quite a few of them. And so I could do it and I enjoyed it. And then with all this extra time in my life, just... I just want to spend time doing good stuff now, like things that yeah. make me feel good. Yeah. I think I've interviewed a lot of authors now about habits. Yeah. And they all say if you take something out, you have to put something back in. Yeah. So something that I was just really kind of aware of was that I needed to start doing some, putting some good stuff in as well as just taking out this thing that I thought was this magic, you know, fix everything. Yeah. And as soon as I started planning good things a Saturday with, with fun people yeah. who didn't go out every Friday night, then yeah. I started realising that's how I want to be spending my time. Yeah. So I think it's a real it is a real ripple effect yeah and there's no you don't just wake up tomorrow as a different person yeah and I'm not really a different person I just kind of have there's all these aspects of my personalities and that yeah. personality and I think before I didn't really appreciate the kind of more wholesome side so yeah, much. yeah yeah <laughs> maybe and if you could almost if you could almost crystallize what in a couple of sentences what readjusting your social life and reorienting it towards your wants and needs now what that's brought you what what you've gained through removing alcohol from like an everyday part of your lifestyle what would it be well better sleep more money (laughs) better skin um sold yeah exactly (laughs) there's i don't think there's anything there's i mean I think I I know that going out for a drink can be really fun. Yeah, I started this initiative called Mindful Mixers with all my friends, mm-hmm. who's um, who was a, a booze PR when I used to write about booze, and we met on a trip <laughs> to celebrating vodka, uh, and um, and then we both kind of did this, uh, kind of went on this soberish journey at the mm. same time. But we both really love going out, and we both love good drinks and stylish places. So what we what we realized was missing is events for people that still want to go to a nice bar and have a nice drink and yeah. hang out with cool people yeah yeah yeah. Like you don't want to hang out necessarily with all non-drinkers yeah like if yeah. you don't want to go to necessarily a vegetarian restaurant yeah. just because you want to eat veggie right <laughs> 
So I think um, it's brought me just so many benefits. But ultimately, it's um, obviously I read a lot of self-help, been doing a lot of work on myself, but mm. just not waking up with that kind of the anxiety and the kind of being yeah. aware that if I didn't, if I spoke to somebody last night in a bad way, it's because I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. blame anything else. <laughs> yeah, or you, you can of, stand by everything that you've yeah. done. Yeah. And I and I spoke to so, um, Ruby Warrington wrote a book called Sober Curious. Yes. And I love the part when she says, um, you realise that when you're sober and the, if the party's rubbish, you just go home. Yeah. Like, whereas when you're drinking, you drink through it. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, and like, I kind of have really like zero pain patients now for kind of really average experiences or people or anything which is um, might sound a bit harsh but from my point of view it's I think it's valuing yourself and your time um, and all of that and with your relationships it's having really good relationships and spending your time with people you care about isn't it absolutely it really enhances all those things quality over quantity right Yeah, yeah absolutely when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So now let's look at how listeners can regain some control uh, and create a healthy social life that works for them. Um, Dr. Jessamy, big question. Where do we start? I suppose a good place to start is really thinking about what those gains are for you. So in terms of the research, all the research shows that social isolation is so negative for you in terms of it's as bad as smoking. It means you're less likely to live as long and it makes you more likely to experience depression. And on the positive side, good relationships and like good time socialising enhances your mental health. It's protective against depression. It's protective against stress. It gives you a great support of love, fun, advice. You know, the list is just so long. And it's really thinking about what you love about your friendships and your relationships mm. and socialising and making sure you choose the right thing for you. Because some people might love those kind of superficial chats where you meet loads of people. Well, for other people, that is like the sign of a really bad evening. And it's just choosing what's most important to you and what you want to gain from it. So you're really clear about that before you start. And from a starting point, then, do you do this kind of social audit in the way that you look at what you've got and work backwards from there? Or do you start off by thinking what you want your social life ideally to look like? I think an audit is a really good place to start. Okay. And in The Imposter Cure, I talk about reclaiming your life. 
And the audit that I do in that is actually looking at everything you're doing, how much time it takes, how much energy it takes, how you feel afterwards, and looking at how many hours there are in the day, because most people find the things that they're trying to fit in, there's not even enough hours in the day. And I think the second part of it is valuing your time. You know, the one thing you can't buy is your time. And Oliver Bertman does this brilliant TED talk, which is called The Fight Against Time. And he says, you know, your capacity is finite, whereas the number of things you can do is infinite. So choose wisely. And I love that because Mm. it really makes you stop and think, okay, well, I've got this amount of time. What is most important? And I think as part of that audit is also seeing what gets in the way of you saying no or more saying yes too many times. So things like people pleasing and being really worried that you'll let someone down and you're thinking about how they're feeling, but you're not thinking about the fact your week is jam-packed already and that probably you're going to let them down worse because you'll probably text them that day. You know, technology means that you can text people really easily. It's much harder to phone someone up and say, I'm not going to come tonight. I think, like you say, the busyness itself. So if you're saying yes to something, wait until you've looked at your week before you actually say yes and thinking about will you want to do it when you're in that situation, when you've already potentially had a really busy time. Is it worth it and is it going to kind of pick you up? And really kind of going through all of your reasons so that you're more aware of them and you're not just automatically saying yes. Yeah. That's really helpful. Thank you. So when, so from a practical level, um, should people do this on like a Sunday night or where, when's a good place or how's a good way to kind of start this audit? I think it's just finding a good time when you've got the time to go through it. Because actually, if you want to audit it properly, it, it's, it's going to be quite thorough and it's going to take you a bit of time. And then that's when you're kind of really proving to yourself that it's not working. And I think it's also, you know, if you want to be super thorough, when you're going out, really paying attention to how you feel afterwards. And so, you know, if I think of myself, often I think, oh, I don't know if I want to go. And then I go and I'm so happy that I did because I am quite selective about what I say yes to. But if you're constantly doing things and feeling bad afterwards or it doesn't feel like it was worth it, or like Tony says, you lose the whole weekend as a result, so it's not just that evening, but even more of your time, then again it's thinking, okay, well, these are things that I don't want to incorporate so much. And when you've got a really clear idea in your head of what you want to do and you don't want to do, and particularly if you've written it down, it's much easier to stand by it because it's so easy just to say, "Okay, I'll be there. You know, it comes out of your mouth quicker than you mean it to. Whereas when you've thought about it so kind of consciously, and I love your word, Tony, of like this kind of mindful approach to things, then you're choosing it rather than going along with it. Yeah. I was going to say, Tony, do you have anything else to add? Um, Yeah, just on that point, I think totally it's about choosing something. And for me, it's really getting intentional. So not intentional drinking necessarily, but intentional. (laughs) Like, What do you want your social life to look like? How do you want to spend your time? Um, Like some of the books we've done, uh, one of them is called Your Dream Life Starts Here. And one of the questions is, um, how do you want to be celebrating your 80th birthday? And I love that because it makes you think, A, am I going to get to 80? Hopefully. But B, it's like, (laughs) what kind of people do I want to be around? What do I want to have done in those next 40 odd years to get there? And it's kind of like then shaping your week and your life now around what kind of person you want to be. So like you would do with work goals or other kind of or financial goals, it's like, who do you want your friends to be? How do you want to spend your time? So, you know, ask, getting yourself, getting quiet, get, asking yourself those questions, mm-hmm. because you are the only person that can direct that. 
because people will always be pulling at you for different things and you have to take responsibility for your own life, right? You can't be cross that somebody messages you all the time if you message them back. So kind of talking, I think an audit is a brilliant idea. Um, I think notifications off immediately from today, everybody, (laughs) is just the best idea just not to be reacting to everyone else's schedule. You know, it's your life, it's your schedule. You have to set the boundaries. Nobody else will do that for you. And in fact, it's the opposite. There's always going to be things pulling at you. And if you're the kind of person like me, and probably like lots of people listening, if you kind of have quite low self-esteem, then you get into this, you get into the vicious circle of um, kind of wanting to say yes to everything because you want to be included. And then it kind of turns into you're always the person organising or going to things. So... Um, yeah, kind of getting intentional and realising that when when you do make a few changes, people won't always like it, but you have to know your why because it's about your life, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I want to go back to something uh, you mentioned there about having boundaries. Um, so we hear the term increasingly, um, but Dr. Jasmine, what actually are boundaries? What does the term mean and why are they so important? I think it, a boundary is thinking about how you want to be treated by other people and thinking about your behaviours around other people as well. So like Tony says, if you're constantly available and you constantly get back to people, then when you don't, then they might find it a bit annoying. But if you stick to that, then they get used to that new new rule. Whereas if you're always getting back to them, as Tony says, you can't really complain about it. And in terms of what we were talking about before, how do you feel with somebody when you're with them? Do you feel that they give you respect and listen to you and value you and you know, think about you rather than just talking at you or phoning you when things are bad for them or texting you all the time, particularly things like making you feel guilty if you don't go. You know, a good friend will really understand if you don't go because they get that sometimes things get too much. So I think it's about how you want to be treated, sticking to those things, being able to say no and thinking about your behaviours and how people behave to you as well. That's really helpful. Thank you. Um, And Tony, as well, you mentioned that when you are making changes in your life, when you start reorienting your social life towards your wants and needs, some things, possibly some people, aren't going to feature as prominently as they once did. Um, Did you ever struggle with putting up boundaries in your social life as you move towards this, uh, this new normal? Yeah, totally. And for a while, I just kind of was going to be, I'm going to do everything the same as I used to do and just not drink. But it's like, it's not fun to go to the pub and watch everyone else get drunk (laughs) when you're not drinking. It's not, it's fun for a little bit. But then, so it's kind of, I had to um, realise that I might have to change a few things. And then, yes, relationships then change as a result. And I think when I talk about taking responsibility, it's like, I'm the one changing the energy in our friendship because I'm the one making changes, but I'm making them for the right reasons for me. Um, and if I have a, if I have friends, which I did have and still do have, that I drinking wine was what we did together. You know, I started shelf help because um, I was just fed up of because a lot of my friends have children now and time is really limited, um, and so we would get together would manage to get together after a thousand WhatsApps and then we'd all drink too much white wine too quickly, not listen to anybody. Nobody kind of shared anything that was actually important. And then the next day I always felt really kind of flat and kind of dissatisfied. And so I started Shelf Help as a kind of way to get people to come together and talk about the stuff that mattered without just the kind of, I suppose, my, my friendships now are a little bit different, but 
the good friends are still there. And and yeah. I think doing different things as well. So whether it's talking about self-help, you don't need to go to that extreme maybe, but like doing <laughs> brunch instead of drinks after work or doing like, I love Frame because they do like the disco nights on a, six, on a Friday night after work. So I'll go to a class with a friend and then get a juice and then go home and be home in time for Netflix at like 9.30. That's my Friday <laughs> night now. Ideal, ideal. <laughs> um, okay, and then... I guess question to both of you, so whoever wants to take it, how do you work out if something within your social life needs to go? What are the signs? I think, again, it's how you feel afterwards. And also, I suppose, coming back to the idea of how does somebody make you feel if you're not doing something? And even in terms of saying yes to things, like what I'm thinking of is when I am saying yes to things, I'm really aware of how somebody will feel and so I'm thinking about oh I should just go because it's better for them if I go and it's really easy for me to go but you forget about all that goes into it and how much of an impact that can have and so then when you are making the effort to do those things and you get there the really simple answer is if you consistently don't feel good with that person and again coming back to that how much you're talking sometimes you'll meet up with somebody and you know everything about their life but if you ask them you know do you know what's going on for me they probably can't answer. And I guess it's that, you know, like that word of kind of energy vampires or how you feel is a really good check-in with everything, with how much you're doing, you know, listening to your body and mind, all the answers are there. You can just trust your instincts, I think. But when you're super busy, you haven't even got time for that. So slowing down helps that too. I think getting quiet is so important, isn't it? Because when you don't let yourself get quiet, you you never, you don't hear anything, right? So that's yeah. how you learn how you feel about things but I love the idea of like um, is somebody a radiator or a drain you know how yeah. do you feel when I you're with them I love that expression yeah how do you feel when you're with <laughs> them or some people say tap and drain okay. so for me it was at my school it was always tap and drain but for you it's radiator yeah. Jasmine, me this is the decider what was it for you <laughs> I'm afraid it's radiator <gasps> We want, no. to be cozy. we want to be cosy and warm you want with to be our friends. <laughs> yeah, not damp. Yeah, I guess it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but I've got like a practical tip on the when should people go or yeah. when should you... It's, and it's not even as kind of... It's not cutting them off, is it? For like, that's it, you're dead to me. But it's like you let you kind of prune friendships or and you let them wither a bit. Mm-hmm. I have a thing now when if people message me and say, I miss you, when can I see you? If they don't give me a date... I just don't get back to them because it's like it's putting it back on you, which happens to me all the time when people say, when are we seeing each other again? And then they're waiting for me to organise a dinner or me to organise something. And I'll say, when do you want to see me? And quite often that just nothing happens. And so that's when I know maybe I don't want to see that person. Right? Because in that relationship, you're the person who is like the architect of that friendship. You're the yeah. person that's keeping it going. So also, why should you if you're not sure? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's really helpful. Um, and, and I think alongside that is having the confidence to let go of friendships because yeah. so often we have a really good friend but not all friendships are for life. A bit like you'd split up with a partner. You know, you change, you grow, you do new things. Some people go along for all of that and they're particularly special but not everybody does and with new life stages or moves, you know, new people come in. But like we said at the beginning, it's quality, not quantity. So it's keeping in mind what's still working and I think it's really difficult to let go of friendships but in the way you described Tony it's it's much more natural you know it's just kind of slowly letting go of it rather than constantly doing the meetup because of the duty you feel so if it's the activity say rather than the person themselves um how do you edit the how do you edit the time that you spend with that person to make it more beneficial to you I think it's talking about it. And again, the other person's response to that is a really good indicator of whether it's worth changing. And so if there's someone who's really up for that and trying new things or like your friends doing the shelf help or having, you know, non-alcoholic evenings, then 
they're a keeper. Whereas if you're suggesting different things and someone's not so into it, again, it's just letting that fade a bit more. And what if it's the person? So, you know, if if you're just really not feeling that friendship anymore, like how do you let them go? How do you phase them out um, without being a dick about it? I think relationships are kind of like gardens, right? You need to tend them. Like if you want them to look gorgeous and be fabulous and flourish, and it's quite, it, it's, it's not easy necessarily, but you can let them wither just by not giving them t- enough the same attention, I suppose. And if you're the kind of person that is listening to this and needs to take back their social life, you are probably a giver in a lot of your relationships. Mm. So you're giving the time, you're giving the organisation, you're giving the energy when you meet them. I mean, like, when was the last time you felt properly listened to? For loads of us, that's, it never happens because maybe we're the listener. So I think as soon as you, um, yeah, you have to, as soon as you decide to maybe change how you're going to be in a relationship, as Jessamy said, you kind of just see what the reaction is and see whether they're going to come with you on that and whether they're going to kind of reach it back out to you. Because if they haven't, if they're not noticing, then that's one issue, I suppose. And if they're kind of, if people are not responding to you because you're now changing the, the dynamic a bit, then they're probably not the right people to go on mm. that, that next stage with. That's a brilliant point. Thank you. Um, okay, so now we know how to take stock of your social life and prioritise what's working for you and edit out what's not. Um, so it sounds simple in practice, but how do you how do you keep to these new rules? I'd want your best strategies. I think it's being really clear about what they are and making them small changes. You know, it doesn't have to be a radical overhaul all at once. I think taking it gradually and making kind of small differences initially and seeing how that feels is much more sustainable and it's more likely to fit with your life. And I think just kind of quietly reinforcing it with people and giving it a go and seeing how it goes and changing things if you need to. And again, just keeping track of how you're feeling and, you know, how you're responding to all of it as a check-in for it. What about the overwhelm? We mentioned um, turning off WhatsApp notifications. Is there anything else about managing the... Turn off all notifications. All notifications. Yeah, yeah. unless you need work email ones during work time. (laughs) But all notifications can be turned off and you can still go into the apps. So that's about not just reacting all the time. And it's you're taking control then, which is a lot more empowering. It's like, I've got 10 minutes, I might go into Facebook rather than I know I've got all these probably not that important <laughs> likes or comments. Someone who you haven't spoken to in yeah, seven years that you exactly. went to school with. <laughs> but um, I'm sure this is probably a whole different topic, but about the, you know, the kind of, these things are built to be addictive, right? So mm. the dopamine rush we get when, yeah. when we kind of think there might be a new message or a new like. So we kind of, we have to, again, we have to take responsibility. We have to set the boundaries. Yeah. So yeah, I would say turn off all notifications. I completely agree. And I think even work, you don't have to have the work email updates either. And I listened to this um, brilliant thing recently and she said, you know, if it was a diet, you wouldn't walk around with biscuits in your bag because you're going to eat them. And it's the same with notifications. As soon as you see them, they're really tempting to check. Just don't have them and then you're not tempted in the same way. Mm. And even in terms of put your phone out of sight. Yeah. I, I have all mine off and all my WhatsApp groups are silent so I can choose when I look at them. And I make an effort to leave WhatsApp groups when I don't get anything from them. And it feels really awkward, but actually, if ever I see a number leaving, I don't think anything of it. And I remind myself of that. I think it feels awkward for the split second and then it's gone because you can't see what everyone's saying anyway and then you forget about it and you roll on right. And I think it's it's important as well if you're trying to make changes, writing things down is always brilliant 
and to, to looking looking at why you're doing that. Um, so just another kind of audit. I don't know if you've heard of Tim Ferriss. He's kind of a motivational. Yes. He's all about that kind of life hacks and productivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at this time of year, actually, he recommends doing, um, it's a past year review. And you look at every month of the last year and um, you just look at, you highlight anything that made you feel particularly good or particularly bad. And that's across the whole year. And then at the end of that, you have your 20% of kind of like, I suppose, radiator situations and the 20% of drains. And what you should do is start booking in time with these people, the 20%ers, the top 20%, start booking in those activities that made your year better because you can see them in black and white. And then the things that made it worse or the people or the experiences, um, then you make sure that you're not making time for those. Because mm. he also says the more things you say yes to, that the more kind of like average things you say yes to, when the big things come in, you've ran out of time and money and energy because you're just yeah. kind of, you're doing all the stuff out of duty or because, yeah, you kind of, two month, in two months' time, you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I suppose I'll come to your yeah, baby yeah, shower. Yeah. But actually, you should save all that energy and time for stuff you really love. So one way is to plan it and get it in the diary so then you can look at all these things you've got to look forward to. And then, yeah, the, the bottom 20%, it's good to... To write the to don't list so these are things I should not do and then just look at that every day until you don't need to look at it anymore just because it gives you a reminder I love that because I guess when you were saying the the whole year in review thing like you do that at work you have to do that with your finances but actually the things that bring you the most joy in life and the things that enrich you most often are your friends and the stuff that you do for fun yeah and actually I guess when you think about it they deserve as much attention and intention as all the stuff you're obligated to do totally and jessamy said it's like we don't make time for the stuff like why do we work so hard if we're not making money or kind of to then have good experiences with our family and life right what's it all about so um, but we don't prioritize those things so we should we should kind of get the calendar and kind of make sure um, is this a friend who doesn't live near me but i really love spending time with her i need to go and see her three weekends this year when am i going to do it because it's not going to just happen by accident. We know yeah. that, don't we? Nothing just like, happens. Nothing yeah. just happens. We're so busy. We're scheduling yeah. everything. Like, I'm good now at scheduling scheduling in exercise time. Mm. I'm good at scheduling in kind of um, my, like kind of like quiet time in the morning. I've got, yeah. like, my routine for that. But I'm, I need to get better at scheduling in, like, fun time, right? And friends' yeah, time yeah, and yeah. social yeah. life time. But that, that it's actually nourishing and I know will kind of fill me up and leave me feeling better. Absolutely. And Jessamy, speaking of scheduling, um, I know something that we've spoken about before is the importance of having some empty time and scheduling time, which is not to be productive. It's not to be useful in any way. It's just to, as you say, let yourself kind of restore and regroup. I find this incredibly difficult to do. And I imagine that lots of our listeners will do as well. Um, How do we go about doing it? I think it's really acknowledging that all time does not need to be productive. You know, we're not machines. And when you get into that over busy mentality, when you're not doing stuff, it feels like you're being lazy or you're slacking off in some way. And I know it sounds a bit strange, but one way I think about it in the book is to think about it in terms of animal cruelty. So if you had a racehorse, would you race that horse every day and exercise it in between and never let it out to rest and not give it time to prepare before races? No, you're going to have an exhausted racehorse that isn't going to run anymore and is going to come last in all the races. So if it's not okay for an animal, why would it be okay for us? And even in terms of if you imagine somebody else told you you had to do all those things, you'd be furious, you know, that they'd be leaving you none of this time. And so leaving some empty time gives you that time to kind of check in with your body and mind, to step back, to see where you are, to see where you want to head. I think of it as like a mini break, 
where you come back with a fresh sense of perspective and a chance to do things in the way you want to. And those breaks actually make you far more productive. They make you far more intentional in what you're doing. And they make you have time so that then you can choose those better choices. And if you're constantly saying to your friends, oh, I'm exhausted, or, oh, how's your weight? I'm just so busy. Listen to those words. And again, as Tony says, make a choice. Do something about that. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. Um, thank you both so much for coming down to the Women's Health Podcast Studio um, and chatting today. I've learned so much. And just for everyone listening, um, the TED Talks and the links that were mentioned earlier, we'll make sure those are all in the show notes for you to find as well. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. Also, nothing makes the team at Women's Health happier than seeing how our expert-backed advice is helping you be healthier, happier and get more out of life. So keep us posted by sharing your progress with us at Women's Health UK on Instagram using the hashtag goingforgoal. So it's bye from me. Bye from me. Bye and good luck from me. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.